Welcome to the Space Nerds Podcast, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. And now, straight from the year 3000, here's your host and constant cosmic companion, Jesse Mercury. What's up, Space Nerds? <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm here remotely with our Firefly nerd, Miss Jane Smith. Jane, how are you doing? Yeah. Hello, how are you holding up? I'm good. This is uh, uh, this is the first time we've done remote podcasting. You were the last person that I saw, besides the person <laughs> that I'm sheltering in place with, because we recorded a podcast right before the shelter-in-place order went into effect. So this is the first time we've yeah. had to do this remotely. It's been a little weird the past two months. Time, time means nothing. It's <laughs> uh, what did River say? In out of gas, uh, days of a stigil mode of time. Uh, so uh, it's not relevant. So the yeah, solar yeah. cycles are not applicable. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're living that reality <laughs> now. How how has your quarantine been going? It's okay. Um, I've been very fortunate in that uh, I am able to work from home for the most part. Oh, okay. Um, I'm getting paid full amount. My my club is still keeping most of the main employees going as much as they can, but um, it's hard mentally. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, just general anxiety. Yeah, it's dialed up to eleven. Totally, every single day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean for sure. And you, you and Ryan aren't driving each other crazy yet. Oh, of course. Like <laughs> your relationship is not truly tested in fire until you've been quarantined together sure yeah <laughs> we're all right we're doing well uh binging a lot of stuff and you know i've gone down the animal crossing rabbit hole oh so nice occupied oh my god alexandra will be so excited to hear that she's, oh nice yeah she's so into it yeah alexandra hit me up oh my god i'm gonna make sure she knows about this yeah. <laughs> i want animal crossing i don't have it yet but i i'm interested in it i at first i wasn't because i'm like this is too cutesy for me but mm-hmm. i do love that style of game and i love games where you have that type of control to kind of play it how you want to play it so i think i i do want to check it out yeah i have a love-hate relationship with it this is the first animal crossing that i've ever done yeah um so total noob i have no idea what i'm doing but I have moments of like, this is Zen kind of just like zone out, plant some virtual flowers, just calm meditative state. And then on the flip side, it's like, it's ratcheted up feelings of nihilism. Like nothing matters. Like this is all (laughs) pointless. (laughs) Nothing I do has any meaning. (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) kind of, it's like a flip. I, I kind of know what you mean because like I've put in like 300 hours into Stardew Valley and mm-hmm. like 100 hours in when I first beat the game like which you know in Stardew Valley beating the game means kind of completing your community center if, yeah. if you played the game you know what I'm talking about um, when I first got there I was like oh man so it's over like was it all meaningless now now <laughs> is what this all there is? and I put it down for a while and then I came back to it um, and I was like, well, now I'm just playing for me. Like now this is just all about making my farm look how I want it to like getting as many, you know, wine casks as I can and just make, yeah. like, how far can I push this game? And then it just became about my own personal, you know, enjoyment, like building a world for myself. And then I fell back yeah. in love with it. And now I'm up to like 300 hours. 
Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll love Animal Crossing, man. You should yeah. check you it know, out. I just started playing Dead Cells, and I love oh. it. Have Oof. you seen that or played that game? Uh, I, I know of it, but I have not played. Oh, I saw it, and I'm like, this looks cool. I think I'm interested. But it kind of looked like that sort of game where it's like explosion vomit where you know there's so many explosions on screen and so much like flashing lights that it's kind of hard to tell where your character is but you i'm sorry go ahead (laughs) do you know uh girlfriend reviews yes that's that's exactly what i was just uh, thinking of diarrhea christmas lights (laughs) diarrhea christmas lights that's right yeah i love girlfriend (laughs) reviews it's a great youtube channel but yeah she reviewed dead what it's like to watch someone play dead cells and that's what she called it was diarrhea christmas lights and that's totally how i felt when i first saw footage of it so i'm like well it looks Mm -hmm. good but i don't think i want to play it um but then everyone was talking so much about it and i i had it on my wish list and my friend Dan actually got it for me mm-hmm. and I just like dived into it a little bit on Twitch and I love it. I love it so much. Like the thing that you don't get from that girlfriend review is that you don't take damage by touching enemies. You get dam- damage when they attack you, which is really unique. I mean, I've never played a game where you can like walk right into an enemy and he doesn't hurt you unless he's attacking you. Yeah. And it kind of renders that mm-hmm. diarrhea Christmas lights thing. Like, <laughs> Uh, a non-issue because Mm -hmm. you're not dying by accidentally running into someone because of an explosion and you have this amazing like dodge move where you can like dodge through attacks and it just feels so fluid and so good if anyone out there is into like 16-bit 2d platforming uh you know like uh i don't even know what else to call it if you like having swords and laser whips and and fighting in 2d like this is the game for you it is great i love it yes and speaking of animal crossing uh alexandria and i actually recorded a a, like 10 minute patron cast about that which now you are the only person who has access to that because you signed up on patreon for the space nerds podcast you're our first patron jane (laughs) i'm the (laughs) <laughs> the patron saint. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wouldn't mind some company. <laughs> anyone who's listening right now, join me. But, you know, remotely, so we don't touch. We don't yes. Yeah, well, I was so touched that you signed up because, like, you know, you are one of the space nerds that is being that is being supported by this Patreon. <laughs> but like, the first goal little, is the first goal is to weird. like. <laughs> it's like circular. Like, um, it's not cannibalistic but like am i allowed oh my god thing that i'm a part of you're so allowed yeah absolutely you're allowed because like for me it just takes a little bit of the uh the financial burden of hosting the podcast off and that's massive Mm. for me right now like i've been paying 15 bucks a month for years to host this podcast yeah so having someone help with that is is amazing and community lift that's all absolutely as warframe would say we all lift together yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we did a little patron cast about Animal Crossing, so we should check that out because you can hear Alexandria's thoughts on the game. Yeah. Um, Absol- I wanted to ask you, do you watch Outlander? I don't. Okay. I tried reading the books, and I know like people who get into it really get into it. Yeah. Uh, it just wasn't, like the first couple chapters weren't speaking to me. Yeah. So and I and, hear that if you get farther in, it's like that's when the hook happens. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about it a lot because Andy and I just watched season one. She and I recorded a patron cast about season one yeah. and you came up in it. So I wanted to bring this up because 
if you don't watch Outlander, you probably won't listen to that. I want to make sure you you know about this. Um, they did a a witch trial plot line, and mm-hmm. I had this reaction to it where I was like, oh, I'm so sick of this. Like, I'm so sick of seeing this burn the witch plot line. And I'm just like so sick. I, I don't want it in this show. I just wish it wasn't here. And I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what Jane was telling me during Firefly. And I, I didn't know get what it. I mean. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't understand. I got, you know, you know, I've been watching Firefly since, I don't know when, since college or something. So um, mm-hmm. you get used to things. And, and it's so funny to watch a new thing that uses that same trope. And I had the reaction that you described having. <laughs> and then it like it changes your perception because it I don't know it shifts your viewpoint a little bit to a slightly different angle. You're like, oh, now I see it. Yes, or you didn't you didn't totally. notice it. Totally, and it's so funny because like I was kind of trying to understand your reaction and not quite understanding it last time, and then I had it myself. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you just need an Outlander. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and Outlander's also thinking about the episode of Firefly we're talking about today, War Stories. Firefly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pushes that envelope of violence in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And this is something we'll talk about when we get to that today. But Outlander pushes that envelope past my personal breaking point to where I'm like, this is too violent and it pulls me out of the story. Whereas yeah. I feel like War Stories gives Firefly teeth and it makes the show mean more because it shows you how far it's willing to go, but then pulls back before turning me off from wanting to continue watching. And it's just like this perfect balance. Totally. Yeah. I, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I am not into what I call torture porn, which is like movies or like anything where it's just about sadism and gore and like not into that at all. Total turn off. But War stories, uh, they they opened with like shoving it down your throat, kind of preachy, where it wasn't so much about the torture itself, but like getting to know the true reactions of people or the yeah. the the inner person that is usually, you know, hidden behind being polite or whatever. But yeah. when someone is being tortured, then you see the real them. Yes, uh, and I feel like they did it in a way that was really. I won't say graceful, but like, you know, it was, it was, uh, not quite so crass or, I don't know, words, words are hard. Uh, I, there's something about it that just feels, it feels like you got to know all of the characters better by putting them through this extreme situation instead of just like putting characters through something to watch them be tortured we put them through this to learn who they are better and give the writers right. a chance to kind of dive deeper into their psyches. And they, they did such a good job. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, what an episode. Well, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to ah. that. Um, <laughs> of course, we got some space news to cover. I picked something out just for you, Jane. Um, <laughs> and it's Firefly related. And then also, I really, I'm so curious. Have you watched Star Trek Picard? You did, right? I'm curious yeah. what you thought oh, yeah. of Picard. So I'll put timestamps on the podcast description. If you don't want to hear about Picard and you want to skip ahead, I'll okay. let you know when the Space News starts <laughs> so you can bail out now. But yeah, what did you think of Picard in the way that the season wrapped up? So I thought most of the season was beautiful. Um, I have not watched a lot of Star Trek, so there were things that didn't hit me quite as hard, like the Hugh... Mm. Spoilers, death. I, uh, <laughs> I love you so much. Oh, my God. 
that that didn't quite like resonate with me quite as much as with other audience members. But sure. um, I thought it was really well done. I I didn't know going in anything about whether they were going to do other seasons or like how long the show was planned to go. I was kind of secretly hoping that it was just going to be the one season and mm. self-contained, and so they could actually tell a story with a definite ending. Yeah. Um, the way the last episode ended, I got kind of mad about that. Yeah. <laughs> like that buyback. Yeah. Just, it kind of, it completely took away the sacrifice that was made, you know, and like the, the whole point of it is, I don't know, I got upset. And yeah. the uh, synthetics, the the super evolved extra dimensional synthetics that were being called to with the device. Yeah. We're just mechanic Cthulhu's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's you're echoing a lot of my thoughts. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I felt let down a little bit with the, design choices that mm. whoever did that went with it's just like mechanical spider fingers coming to get you yeah like like super doc ox sticking his <laughs> arm through a portal it what? is extremely <laughs> literal like it's so <laughs> literal i yeah I, just, I felt like if they were super evolved did they even need to be like in a mechanical body like and they, they were be, like, super evolved orbs of energy or they were super evolved like like tens of thousands of years ago when they planted this message. Yeah. And now that's like, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so in, we've been doing this weekly star Trek club with, uh, Doug and Andy and Sarah, mm -hmm. and we actually just decided to keep star Trek club going after Picard ended by talking about discovery. And oh, nice. the, the first episode of discovery, um, which ha as we're recording this podcast, it hasn't come out yet because I'm going to put it out like later today. And then this podcast will come out a couple days after that. But we we got to like we kind of returned to Picard for like half an hour and had this like heated discussion about it that I'm actually cutting out and putting on the patron cast. And now that you're our only person with access to that, I'm really I want you to listen to. It. I gotta listen to it. Yeah. Oh, the pressure's on. <laughs> um, it's the only patron cast I, I would I would like go out of my way to say, Jane, I think you should listen to this because, um, yeah, Doug had some really opposing views about it. And, um, we got into talking about like what the writers have said about it and what was the purpose of the story. And like, what did the writers think the purpose of the story was? And Doug is saying, it doesn't matter what the writers think. It only matters what's actually on the screen. And it was really fascinating. So I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. If you have a chance to listen to Interesting. it. Interesting. That's a, that's a deep debate about like author's intent and yeah. what the audience gets out of it. Yeah. And he made some really good points. I mean, you know, I don't, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for now, but <laughs> if you have time to check it out and anyone else who wants to sign up, it's three bucks a month to, to get these patron casts. Or if you just want to support the show, you can for as little as a dollar a month, which any, anyone signing up at any level super super helpful as far as keeping this podcast going i'm a i i can't stop i tried to stop doing this for a while and i couldn't so i brought the show back under a new name and um yeah i can't stop won't stop i love doing this so much like this is how i've stayed in touch with my friends during the 
the pandemic. And if this show means something to you in your life and you want to help support it, it is super, super appreciated. There are some great conversations and I'm just, I'm weird about listening to podcasts in general. Yeah. So I participate in them more than I listen to them. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I can say from experience that there's some really fun stuff going on. So if you're listening, I'll uh, sign up for more. It's really good. Well, you're awesome, Jan. I really appreciate you supporting what we're creating here. That's that's really cool. Absolutely. It's good stuff. All right. Are you ready for some space news? Space news. Let's do it. Space news. Okay, Jane, this comes to us from canyouactually.com, which (laughs) may not be a reputable source, but don't worry, because this is a reputable piece of information, and I've (laughs) confirmed it. Um, it. Okay. So, canyouactually.com is reporting. NASA actually recorded sound in space, and it's absolutely chilling. Sound in space, Jane. Uh oh boy, this is also a heated debate. Yes, totally. So, I mean, you you're well versed in this. So, tell us about why this is a heated debate, especially in the context of Firefly, which we're talking about today on the show. <laughs> so, in the original pilot of Firefly, one of the things that stood out in sci-fi is something that people have been complaining about for years. There shouldn't be sound in space normally. A lot of times in sci-fi, you'll hear the sound of ships or like photon cannons or whatever, like making all these super deep bass noises or like, (laughs) like, there's no (laughs) air (laughs) in space. It's a vacuum and sound travels through a medium, whether it's, a liquid or a solid or a gas or a plasma if it's a vacuum it's not going anywhere normally there are exceptions um if you're in like you know a nebula or low Mm. orbit or or stuff like that but Mm. generally in science fiction um when they do a a space shot uh, just to make things more interesting for the audience there's almost always some sort of foley work or or super cool sci-fi zaps uh, or, or things like that, and it's kind of frustrating. But uh, yeah, and Firefly really stands out because mm-hmm. space is silent in Firefly. Yes, the only thing that you hear is like uh, radio communications inside their helmets, mm-hmm. or the sound of their breathing inside the helmets, right? Uh, which is pretty accurate. Yeah, and like in a wide shot when Serenity is blasting off to some other spot mm-hmm. in the verse. You hear yeah. nothing, and it's so you see distinct. reaction, but you don't hear it, which yeah. is beautiful. Yeah, and you were, as you were saying, like the network wanted space noise, and it was like mm-hmm. a, a battle that Joss Whedon had to fight to keep the space yeah. noise out. Because we're kind of indoctrinated now to think, if I see something shiny on the screen, there should also be a noise to go with it. If there's nothing, it feels incomplete. You know, you're like... Yeah. Oh, Where's the noise? Where's is it muted? Is am I missing something? What's going right. on? Just because we're trained yeah. to expect noise in space from Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff. Expecting it. Yeah. All the pew pews. <laughs> um, okay, so so this is super interesting. Um, it turns out that there may be sound in space that human ears can't hear. Um, huh? Yeah, so let's check this out. Can you hear sounds in space? Now you've probably heard that there's no sound in space, but technically that's not true. Now, yes, space is a virtual vacuum. However, sound does exist in the form of electromagnetic vibrations that pulsate in similar wavelengths. What NASA did was design special instruments that could record these electromagnetic vibrations and transferred them into sounds that our ears could hear. 
What you're about to hear is actual sound in space. Nothing has been added. It's a beautiful yet haunting sound that music legend Hans Zimmer would be jealous of. And we're about to listen to the sound of the sun. Are you ready, Jane? So, yeah, yeah. technically, technically, this is kind of misleading because if you were in space and not dead from being in a vacuum, you, you would not hear this. Like, we wouldn't hear it. Right. But maybe those synthetic beings. Right. Um, Picard, they're so evolved, they can probably hear it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that this actually begs the question, is this sound? If it's just electromagnetic vibrations that you have to translate into sound, Mm -hmm. does that mean that it was sound to begin with? I think that's a really interesting distinction. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But either way, we have some to listen to, and I'm just going to hold this up to the mic, and we'll take a listen. So here is The Sun. And here's Mercury. It's just like a creepy Darth Vader exhalation, but no <laughs> inhalation. Yeah. And then let's pop forward in this video. Just appropriate. Here's Venus. Here's Earth. Here's Mars. So, okay, this is... More ghostly. Yeah, this is fascinating because even if this isn't actual sound, even if we have to, you know, translate this to experience it as humans, there's parallels there to a lot of the footage that we see of space. Like when you look at a beautiful shot of a nebula, they often kind of, you know, look at light differently throughout the electromagnetic spectrum to make a picture that is visible. Like it wouldn't actually composite. There's many different things, like different wavelengths that they then layer on top of each other to get a visual representation that we recognize as a picture. Right. It's like, you're not going to actually see it that way with your naked eyes and you wouldn't Mm -hmm. hear this with your naked ears. But the fascinating thing is that the different electromagnetic uh, vibrations coming off of these planets are so different. Like they all sound so different. And that in yeah, itself it's is absolutely fascinating. Got its own signature, each one. So I'm not a specialist in any sort of acoustics. <laughs> yeah. But isn't like some of the original ways that radios were created was with quartz crystals that converted sound like physical sound vibrations into electromagnetic pulses that could then be transferred through a wire that could then be converted back to a sound pulse on the other side i don't know but that's fucking rad like that's mind-blowing if that's true i mean i feel like because i know that crystals were part of original radio technology i don't know if they still are they might be but um it, it was all about converting one type of energy into another type of energy so that it could be transmitted farther without any sort of decay and then trans- convert it back. Yeah. Well, let's take a look. I just looked this up real quick. How do antennas work? Um, you use microphones to capture the sound of people's voices and turn them into electrical energy. 
You take that electricity and, loosely speaking, make it flow along a tall metal antenna, boosting it in power many times so it will travel just as far as you need into the world. As the electrons, tiny particles inside atoms, in the electric current wiggle back and forth along the antenna, they create invisible electromagnetic radiation in the form of radio waves. These waves, partly electric and partly magnetic, travel out at the speed of light, taking your radio program with them. What happens when I turn on my radio in my home a few miles away? The radio waves you sent flow through the metal antenna and cause electrons to wiggle back and forth. This generates an electric current, a signal that the electronic components inside my radio turn back into sound I can hear. I want to know about crystals, though. Yeah, look up quartz, I think, is... I'm pretty sure. How do quartz radios work? The quartz, or the crystal, functions as an envelope detector, rectifying the alternating current and radio signal to a pulsating direct current, the peaks of which trace out the audio signal so it can be converted to sound by the earphone, which is connected to the detector. The crystal functions as an envelope detector. This is, this is hard. I'm just looking on Wikipedia at crystal radio right now. Mm-hmm. This is hard to understand. Um, it's science that I have not... I dipped a toe in one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know... So, I mean, I, I in college, I was a music major and I, you know, focused in electroacoustic composition, learned a lot about recording studios and microphones and how yeah. this, how sound works. It works. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I can say that if you want to think about sound, one of the ways that we were taught to think about it was like ripples in water. If you were to drop a brick into a perfect, perfectly yeah. circular pond, mm-hmm. these ripples would kind of expand away from that. And that's how sound works. Like when you're making a sound with your mouth, you are actually sending energy um, out into the the space around you that kind of yeah. travels in a circle. Um, mm-hmm. And your head is actually blocking it from going directly behind you, and the shape of your mouth kind of projects it in front of you in a specific way. And then your the ears of someone else in the room will translate that energy into uh, our brains translate that into sound. So, yeah. like, what would some other being experience if they were in the room with us? It might be totally different, you know. Um, and like a um, uh, what's it called? The a vinyl record. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the way records work is you can, like, you actually imprint, um, in, in the vinyl, um, mm-hmm. like, m- grooves that are basically causing the needle to move back and forth. Yeah. Um, because like, you know, if you think of sound, like, if you've ever seen sound on a computer, um, like it's, waves. Yeah, it's graphed two dimensionally. So. Yeah you see like a a sine wave basically going above and below a median point. And then the more complex the sound, the more jagged that wave will look. Um, And you can actually transcode that into physical um, grooves that Mm -hmm. when you run a needle through it, uh, that needle basically picks up the vibration of that sound and then translates it into electrical energy, which then goes into a speaker and moves that speaker yeah. Uh, and this is like pure analog sound, no digital components. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so sound is fascinating. And I mean, this is really interesting to think about, like, the way that we hear sound is what we think of as sound, but that's just mm-hmm. how our brains interpret it. And if you have these right. electromagnetic pulses being given off by planets out in the solar system, um, and then you transcode that into sound, is that sound or is that something else? It's, it's hard to say. Um, but either way, it's really interesting that it is diff- so different from planet to planet. And being able to listen to this signature of different planets is fucking fascinating. That reminds me of, I feel like 
there there have been other articles out there um looks like these are all a few years old about black holes having sound oh uh, yeah similar kind of um oh <laughs> this is what i was remembering uh black hole recording sound of a black hole revealed and it's b flat <laughs> you're wondering it's b flat well, it's like it's like 400 octaves below what humans can hear <laughs> oh my god um I, I vaguely remember that's cool that reminds me of something there is a note that's called the brown note yes that is a radio <laughs> or- seen Mythbusters. what's that have you seen mythbusters uh, no did they do this they did an episode on the brown note, yeah. So, the brown note is a frequency which causes humans to loosen their bowels. Yes. And is it, did the Mythbusters confirm it? Um, I can't remember now. I don't think it was confirmed. I think it was plausible because they did some other really fun things with sound and they used like directional like sound lasers that are hyper focused to do mm. cool things. Yeah. But I don't think they got anyone to actually poop their pants. <laughs> well, in school, my professor was talking about how at one point some country in Europe tried to weaponize it, or maybe it was America. I don't remember. Some company, tr- like company, country yeah. tried to weaponize it to make their enemies shit themselves. Yeah. And that's the space news. The space news. <laughs> space news! All right, well, let's get into Firefly. Another amazing episode with war stories. Is this episode uh, 10, I want to say? Uh, I always forget because it's different in different places. And we've gotten it wrong so many times. And we're like, it's this episode. Time and space. Yeah. Well, in this episode... We see the return of Niska. Wash and Mal are kidnapped by Niska and tortured. Um, and then the crew has to mount a daring rescue to get them back. Yeah. So, man, what an episode. It's so fucking intense. This is the, do, by far the most intense episode of Firefly. I do really like this episode. Um, like I said, I'm not normally into the torture porn kind of yeah. genre of just torture for the sake of you know sadism and and gore and let's see how much blood we can splatter the walls with but um this episode had a purpose with it and so i really appreciated the way that they they told the story i i agree 100 percent. i'm not super into violence i'm i talk about this all the time if you're going to use violence in a story like have some purpose behind it i think this is the best example i've ever seen of using violence well in a story and it's intense like they slice off mal's ear i know we see the ear get cut off oh it's (laughs) nuts i mean i remember watching this for the first time and getting like queasy Mm -hmm. uh and you watch like mal and wash get this like electrocution torture and then mal Mm -hmm. gets this like thing put onto his chest like sort of matrix style Yeah, yeah, like there's these like weird tendrils that come out from it under his skin and he's screaming and it's horrible and um pretty it's pretty gross and it's really intense. But you but but there's so much humor and there's so much character development. It's insane. <laughs> like they balance this so well. It is really, really well balanced. Uh I again with the opening scene, um it starts with talking between uh Simon and Book. Yeah. And Simon just all of a sudden has this dry wit that we haven't really seen before. They're talking about him being like a criminal mastermind. He's like, yeah, uh, I'm yeah. a traditionalist. I want to grow a big black mustache. And yeah. it's just it's so dry. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I also love that it, it ties in the last episode, Ariel. It's like they pulled mm-hmm. off this big heist, stealing all yeah. this medical supplies. 
Um, and we all know how valuable that is in the time of the, vo- of the coronavirus, right? Uh, so I love that that actually informs this whole episode. Like the reason that they get kidnapped is because they are trying to sell these medical supplies on this planet that just happened to be near Niska's space station. Um, right. And yeah, even in the first scene that comes up, there's one thing about the first scene that I actually don't like, which is that uh, uh, Shepard Book and Simon are like talking about what was done to River, and mm-hmm. Book is talking about uh, this this <laughs> author, historical warlord, yes, who also who, who fancied himself quite the poet. <laughs> yes, yes, I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but then uh, Yu, yeah my very first world of warcraft character that i think i played the longest was a shaman named shanyu oh really okay well there we go we got the name um yeah so he's talking about he's like talking about and quoting shanyu and then in that cold open niska is also talking about shanyu and Mm -hmm. this is my one well this is one of two complaints i have about this episode is like that feels a little bit too tied in thematically is that like the guy that we're about to re-encounter who's going to torture our characters and while torturing our characters examine this idea of knowing someone um, in the way that Shun Yu talks about, about like when you know someone on like the field of battle or you're torturing someone, you, you meet them um, like you meet their truest self and to have them talking about that on Serenity and then Niska talking about it also, to me, that's like a little too convenient. How do you feel about that? I, I can't remember the exact quote of what Simon said to, to yeah. book. He was like something about sadistic torture excused by florid prose. Tell me you're not a fan. Right. He's, yes. Saying it's a book. Tell me you're not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not trying to make this guy a hero or like put him up on a pedestal. Please tell me you're not part of this cult worshiping shot on you which then we see niska is right one of the people who who really like makes a religion and a lifestyle out of it um which i think is what they were trying to do it was a little heavy yeah. it was a little um like hanging a la- lantern on it but. exactly yeah yeah i think actually hanging a lantern on it is the perfect way of describing it that's what it feels like is that the writer is hanging a lantern on this plot point that they want to make and they do a great yeah. job of developing that plot point throughout the episode of like meeting someone um it started a little heavy yeah it is a little too a little too um look at this you know as far as like the writing is concerned super obvious neon signs like we're gonna be talking about torture this episode (laughs) yeah but i do love stuff about that first scene i love that you know shepherd books like looking at these scans and saying, do you think they just wanted to try to meet River? Like to say, like, are they trying yeah. to put her through as much as possible to see how yeah. far this girl could go? And then Simon saying, no, I don't think so. This is very specific. Like they, they were doing something very specific. It, was and I, it wasn't just yeah. recreational torture. Yeah. And he hasn't figured it out yet. And that ties into what happens later when we see the first sign of River's advanced acuity with weaponry when she shoots three people without even looking at them (laughs) and scares the bejesus out of kaylee yeah and it's so funny because i actually remembered that differently i remembered her like going hardcore beating people up and stuff but that doesn't happen like that's from the movie and i yeah yeah, i totally like transfigured this episode in my mind into something even more intense than it already was yeah in the show they were trying to make it very 
mental, like her abilities were subtle and she was just clever and, and could figure things out and not have to like kick someone backwards behind a pole with her ballerina leg, you know, like more about her brain than her brawn. Yeah. So, I mean, inside of everything else that's happening in this episode, there's some really great development of River and and what's go- what she's going through. I loved her arc in this episode. I actually tuned into it more than I have in the past. Yeah. This idea that Simon is experimenting with different medications on her to try to give her a normal life. And then her... Or the, the tunnel that they put her in. Yeah. And her describing coming in and out of this tunnel was so touching. And something that mm-hmm. I can personally relate to because like... I've been, you know, living with this weird medical condition for years Mm -hmm. and I've actually been living at home for years because of this. Like I, you know, I go through, um, like basically like what River's experiencing, like she goes through these, you know, peaks and valleys of lucidity. I go through peaks and valleys of functionality with my body. Like sometimes I have these like muscle spasming fits or sometimes I lose the ability to control like my arms or legs and my doctors can't figure out why like my neurologist is like, well, we think you have a neurological disorder that might be um, not yet catalog cataloged by medical science. Like that was the latest, the latest word that I got. Like we thought it was Lyme disease for a while, but now we're pretty sure it's not. So, Mm -hmm. um, well, that's good news, I guess, but also like you still, still don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, at this point I, I'd rather have Lyme disease and like be able to, treat it than not know what it is i mean we yeah. treated for lyme disease for a long time and didn't see any results and mm-hmm. then i retested for lyme my test was borderline the first time and now it's just negative so there doesn't seem to be any reason to keep going down that rabbit hole because um, right. i didn't get any benefit from it well this is a long story to say that watching someone go through that on screen i feel like they did a really good job of it like mm-hmm. watching i mean even though it's very different from what i experienced rivers um River's sadness over and her frustration over not being able to be one thing all the time, her body kind of taking her out of that um, mm-hmm. was really touching to me. And then, of course, that scene ends with her saying, I threw up on your bed. And yeah. Simon, like, well, you're definitely my sister. Like, the, they punctuate everything with humor in this episode so well. Yeah, it, it's really well balanced. I, I love that scene that you're talking about where um, Simon comes in to comfort her and she's just like stream of consciousness trying to describe what it's like being in her brain yeah and taking you from like one jarring experience that she can barely put into words to a completely different one and this is like her entire existence now of just like chaos with brief periods of punctuated clarity yeah where when she is in a clear moment she can do something like close her eyes and shoot three people Yeah. after a glance, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, it was, if I, you know, sometimes if I close my eyes, I can get three podcasts out in a day. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's not true. I've never done that before. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's just like great stuff for everyone in this episode. And like the core of the episode, I think is, is the triumvirate relationship between Mal, Wash and Zoe. And Mm -hmm. I love that they go into this because this is sort of, um, untapped ground so far in the show is like you have Zoe who's married to Wash who's the pilot on the ship and then Mal who is the captain who Zoe n- has known much longer than she's known her own husband and mm-hmm. who like she situations with over and over again yeah and they like have all of these war stories together which is you know yeah. the name of the episode uh, and sometimes Wash gets jealous and that kind of 
boils over in this episode to the point where he like makes some really mean comments about like maybe there's one too many husbands in this marriage yeah that was a moment where i was like oh boy right (laughs) he's not uh not pulling any punches with that comment yeah and you know in many ways like he's sort of in the wrong in the beginning i mean i guess sort of because let's break this down so zoe he goes about it is very juvenile i think and if if things were different and they hadn't been captured there probably would have been a bigger fight when he got home between you and zoe yeah so Wash has this idea that they should cut out the middlemen when they're trying to fence all of this medical supplies, mm-hmm. all of these medical supplies. And he yeah. mentions it to Zoe and wants Zoe to mention it to, to Mal. And Zoe thinks it's a bad idea, but doesn't tell Wash and mentions it to Mal, but basically saying, you know, this is a bad idea. Let's not do this. And they both mm-hmm. kind of agree on that is what is what we can infer. And then Wash gets upset. He feels like he's being... Uh, you know zoe tells him mal didn't like the idea basically yeah or actually mal says something to watch he's like yeah you know uh, middlemen make up all these people they're gonna get mad so we gotta go through them they um, do it so succinctly that yeah. I, I do appreciate the writing oh, that yeah. went into it. they say it with like a sentence and a half what we're trying to describe right i did <laughs> a terrible a job but <laughs> it's very clear in the episode yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so basically it, it kind of starts out of Zoe not telling Wash the full truth, trying right. to sort of protect his feelings. You're and trying to protect his feelings. Yeah, yeah. He's justifiably upset about that. But then mm-hmm. he turns it into this huge thing about how Zoe trusts Mal more than him and Mal's mm-hmm. always going over his head and, you know, he has all these insecurities about whether or not like about Zoe having some sort of latent attraction to Mal that kind of we find out more about later in the episode. I'll and, up later. Yeah. Um <laughs> And it all sort of boils over right before they get kidnapped. And the reason that Mal is on, or that Mal takes Wash on this mission instead of Zoe is because Wash is like, I don't want Zoe going on any more missions with Mal while I'm mad about them having this alone time together. The way he says it, though, is perfect. It's not that he's concerned about her safety because she can obviously take care of herself. Yeah. What he says is, I can't stand the thought of you coming back with another story. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he doesn't want to be left out. He's jealous of their adventures a little bit, but mostly he just, he wants to have, I don't know, the the experience or the, or the uh, camaraderie with either his wife or the captain or both that yeah. they have mother yeah totally not getting it so he insists that he's gonna get it this time because he disables the shuttle so that only he can fly it yeah (laughs) (laughs) and if we're talking about like hanging a lantern on something like this is the perfect example of doing that subtly where Mm -hmm. the the themes that this episode is exploring is like meeting yourself you know like going through something so extreme that it shows you who you are and Mm -hmm. That happens with what with Wash and Mal, where Wash meets Mal in a way that he'd never met him before, because right. he goes through torture with him, um, he goes through hell with him, and Mal's strength is what keeps Wash from breaking. Right, um, he's more scared of Mal after the experience than he is of Niska, because <laughs> of how totally badass, not cracking under the pressure Mal was. He was looking out for Wash instead of being concerned about the fact that he was being tortured too. Right. 
So it, it really impressed and, and kind of shook Wash. Yeah, and it, it gives Wash a way into um, this problem that he's been having with Zoe and Mal is that he doesn't understand their relationship. But now mm-hmm. he can get a glimpse of it. Like if, if Zoe served under Mal in the war and this is the way that Mal treats his soldiers, he keeps them from breaking and he keeps them fighting. Yeah. Like that breeds intense loyalty. And now Absolutely. like Wash can kind of get that. And mm-hmm. the whole fight from the beginning of the episode is completely diffused by um, by seeing the truth of the situation, you know, which is that these guys are all on the same side. They all love each other. They are all family. And, mm-hmm. and Zoe can loves we- Wash more i mean zoe loves mal but wash is her husband and when she has the choice to choose which of them to save she chooses wash in an instant that's one of the best scenes oh, in the so entire show funny it's uh, so good the uh it's not enough for two but perhaps one it's like him i'll take that um, one yeah <laughs> it's like, oh were you gonna say now i have to choose you can finish if you want to it's so funny it's so uh, funny and, like, the way that this show like builds her. tension and then diffuses it like at the snap of a finger with like perfect one-liners yeah it's yeah. my favorite i mean i i love that that's like what i if i were writing something that's what i would be trying to do you know yeah i i've said it before but zoe is actually my favorite character and, mm. and this episode really she shines in this episode yeah. because it maybe not so much at the beginning when she's been a little dodgy with marriage uh communications but uh it really shows what kind of a person she is and she gets things done you know she charges into the enemy's territory and is like this is what's gonna happen here's the deal take it i'm leaving bye (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah this is maybe the best zoe episode this episode makes me so frustrated that we don't get uh, stories that focus around Zoe more because yeah. she's in the back of a lot of the stories, but when she comes to the forefront, she's fucking rad. Like she is incredible. And what a great story. character. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's just the, the quiet support class that's in the back, just making sure that the whole party's okay. <laughs> uh, but when shit goes down, she's the one carrying everybody. Yeah. This just, that reminded me, I watched onward last night with Andy. Have you seen onward yet? I have. Yeah. Pixar. That movie is great. It's really good. It's yeah. it's so frustrating with Pixar sometimes because like the first half of their movies, I'm always like, yeah, this is good, but it's a little generic. And then by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, that was so good. How do you did it again, Pixar? <laughs> um, yeah, they know what they're doing. That was that was a really good, uh, cute movie. I, I felt like the last well, ten years or so have kind of fallen not out of love with Pixar, but like some, mm. some of their pieces haven't resonated quite as much. Um, but there's still some of the early ones are still some of my all time favorite movies. Like yeah. Ratatouille, I think is a, a masterpiece. Yeah. It's like, really good. It, it's just beautiful. And it still is. Um, Wally is a really fun sci-fi piece that we yeah. watch. Wally's is great. Beginning of the shutdown. Like when Seattle <laughs> go outside, we're like, watch wally and see you know maybe 700 years from now things will be okay (laughs) yeah wally sticks out of my memory most for having that incredible 15 minute opening where nobody speaks like 30 minutes oh is it longer yeah oh i am all about that i love that like i i have this idea for a sci-fi trilogy um that i'm trying to write and hopefully will write someday uh but i've been like 
writing it in my head for over a decade at least. Nice. And a, a big part of the beginning of the first movie is like on this alien world where you don't speak the language and there's no subtitles and you're just kind of like immersed in this beautiful culture without really understanding exactly what they're saying. That's um, awesome. Because I love this type of shit. Like I love I love that type of thing where uh performances are done through, you know, like vocalizations or through something other than language. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because yeah. normally in sci-fi, there's always like a universal communicator or translator. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but then, you know, obviously it's necessary so that you can get on to the point of the the story, but yeah, it skips over and glosses over a lot of the the interest of, you know, two different parties trying to communicate when they don't have a common uh not language but like a, a common vocabulary yeah. you know yeah um yeah the story that i'm working on that's actually a huge plot point is that like there is a universal translator but it's sort of new technology or really expensive i haven't quite decided yet um yeah. that's just hard to come by and the main characters who happen to meet each other meet because they overhear each other because one of them, because they both can translate. Um, and like the translator is like a thing that takes your brain waves and, and translate those into something kind of like what we're talking about with sound, how oh, your right. brain is like interpreting sound. It's like, what if yeah. someone else's brain waves could be interpreted by a device and translated yeah. so that they could speak whatever language. And then, you know, yeah. I'm trying so to, make up some sort of science that makes sense other than like, Oh, they're near the TARDIS. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but that, that actually drives the story as well. Anyway. Um, I mean like th this podcast in me is for me is a large part, like studying story and mm -hmm. studying what I love about story because I want to create my own and, uh, trying to figure out like what is what makes a good story and Firefly is such a good example like when we're talking about how how well this is written and how like the themes are presented and then explored it's part of what makes this so satisfying and that's something that is missing I think in a lot of modern TV like mm -hmm. we went through this TV renaissance where everything was great and then this bar was set so high and then all these old shows started getting rebooted and we got all these new versions of Star Trek like going back and rewatching the first season of Discovery I'm like man this is like episode three of Discovery, I think is is terrible. Um, <laughs> we just recorded that Star Trek Club yesterday. It'll come out in like two weeks after when this podcast comes out. Uh, I'll have to watch it because I think I need to like try to watch Discovery again. Yeah, it's it gave it a go, but it it didn't stick. <laughs> the first season for me was really rough, but the second season was wonderful, and I really recommend getting into the show just because. Um, Captain Pike in season two and his whole story arc is just really great, especially if you've watched the original series and are familiar with Captain Pike. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually, you could watch just the episode, The Menagerie, or uh, yeah, The Menagerie. I think that's the one where they took the footage from the cage, which was the original pilot of Star Trek, and reworked it with more of Pike's story. Um, right. If you watch that and then watch Discovery, it's like, holy shit, this is impressive stuff that they're trying to pull off here with star trek lore i got us yeah. real sidetracked that's okay i like <laughs> i like sidetracks it's like it's like it's like having a little oh, yeah. snack in between you know yeah. the full meal yeah um okay back to firefly <laughs> so we're talking about zoe being amazing yeah 
and and the dynamic between her and uh and wash and and mal yeah yeah and there's so much good stuff for every character in this episode like zoe's amazing shepherd book we get some some more character development about how he's he, a lot of hints about his past yeah. and like, he's naming off like sniper rifles yeah. that we took out the the guys in the desert uh he, he's shooting people in the kneecaps and very comfortable with that great line people. he's like uh, god is real specific about killing but but iffy on kneecaps <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah he's his proficiency and comfort comfortability comfortableness comfort level with uh weaponry is kind of stunning in this episode yeah. uh, it's, it's like wow this man is not who we think he is no he doesn't have many lines in this but um it's pretty noticeable yeah like neither talking about guns or lifting weights in this episode <laughs> yeah Pretty yeah much. jane has amazing character development because he's like you guys are like going on a suicide mission it's like have fun but then he gears up grabs vera and he's ready to go help fight to bring mal back and yeah. it shows like that he really is a part of this family you know like you were talking earlier about mal inspiring loyalty from people and every single person on that crew is happy to go in and risk their own lives to get him back. Even Jane, who in the previous episode, we weren't sure uh, he was, he betrayed the crew and Mal by trying to sell in river and Simon right. to the clients. One episode ago. <laughs> yeah. So long ago. It's like a whole lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, but at the end of that episode, he decides he's in he's all in he's part of this crew he's going to be loyal to mal and he goes and he gets vera and he's gonna he's gonna go be part of the rescue op yeah yeah i mean i and you were, we already talked a little bit about simon's um development with his like new criminal persona and his like talking about getting a mustache yeah. um kaylee has some great development in this episode where she is mm -hmm. playing with river which also really helps with river's character development how they're starting to be more normal and like she's chasing her to get the apple back and <laughs> yeah but then at the end of the episode she has this turn where she sees this darkness inside of river that scares her mm -hmm. um yeah so i mean e even like with very little to do i feel like they still gave kaylee like great character beats yeah definitely and i think her reaction was kaylee's reaction was totally warranted she sees yeah. this girl who is not quite stable and, you know, is, is definitely having mental troubles just without any hesitation, just cold blood, murder three people and then make a joke about it. Yeah. And Kaylee's just like, what, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> she was very shaken. Yeah. Uh, and like, let's not forget that also one episode ago, River slashed Jane across the chest with a giant knife right that's you know she's uh what what is it that wash said about that um we never know what she's gonna do she's either gonna cut people or rub soup in our hair or something <laughs> yeah, i don't remember um uh so then there's also anara's arc i mean i i'm in awe of the fact that they served every character so well in this episode but mm -hmm. i will say that anara's arc is my least favorite in this episode um we see Anara taking a companion job with a woman and the crew reacts to that 
in like Gaga fashion. I feel like that was Fox. Like yeah. I, I don't know too much of the story behind that, but that feels to me like some producers came in with some notes and be like, let's spice it up a little. Let's <laughs> get something a little salacious for the for the people. And I, I just it feels forced to me. But at the same time, I appreciated how they went about it. Um, the writing was a little, a little heavy in that scene too, where it's like, oh, let's just be ourselves, and we can't possibly do that around men. And it's like, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. My problem with it is that they treat it like um, women being together is this like huge deal. Instead of what I prefer, which is like, no, this is like normal. And if you're not treating it like it's normal, you're being a dick. Yeah. And everyone kind of treats it like it's abnormal. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what bothers me about it. I don't mind that they, that like Jane, they use Jane to play it for laughs because that's who Jane is. And that right. line where Jane's like, I'll be in my bunk because he's going to go masturbate is <laughs> hilarious. It's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah. But like Shepherd Book, Kaylee, Kaylee. Simon mal everyone else is like everyone everyone else is treating it like it's super weird yeah um and that really rubbed me the wrong way like if if everyone else had just been like like jane shut up this is like you know women women love each other like don't be a dick about it people are still being weird yeah (laughs) same-sex relationships it seems a little outdated right that's my problem with it yeah and on rewatch that bugged me a lot more than it had in the past yeah sci-fi relationships at least from what i've experienced are usually more understanding of right things like that and a little bit more you know liberal or um less conservative forward thinking yeah progressive either that or they're just like these women all wear bikinis because that's the planet of the bikini wearing women it's either like progressive or just awful you know it's not usually in between yeah yeah um so but yeah i mean a little out of place yeah the way that it was handled felt like it was done for 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 men you know what i mean instead of being done for women or just all the Janes out there. It, it didn't seem like it was being done for representation reasons. It felt like it was being done so men could enjoy seeing two women together. Yeah. I would have also been okay with, like, if they just left it to the counselor walking in and then walking out. Like, we didn't mm. need the actual massage scene. Yeah. That, that was completely gratuitous to the point of, like, what was going on. If it was just, like, Kaylee saying, oh, I know she takes women clients sometimes, and Jane says, I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> and then that's it. like that would have been totally fine. Or if like one person had just said, like you like would you Jane, you appear to have like outdated uh right. a- opinions on the sexes or something. Yeah. And on like yeah, that massage scene, you're right, it was written very clunkily. Um yeah. that's the only part in this episode where I'm like the writing didn't quite hold up for me. The, yeah. If they include a massage scene but they have it be a little bit more like natural or or something, like I don't know. Being very, like, they, they hung a lantern on this too where the counselor is like, you don't have to put on a show for me, Anara. I just want to, like, relax for a minute because, you know, she's got all these pressures on her. And that makes sense, but the way that it's said and it's yeah. just so, like, plastic. 
Yeah, and if we'd use this to examine Inara's sexuality, which we don't, you know, like that could have been interesting. Um, It just, it felt like Inara's, it really just felt like Inara's being gay for pay, you know, to use a pornography term. It didn't feel like um, she was attracted to women. That's not the impression that I got. Um, And she doesn't have to be. I mean, you know, she's a companion, She's right. a professional, but but there was there was an opportunity here to do something interesting, to use some sort of representation, or to examine something, you know, with do, having to do with sexuality. And I feel like it was just kind of they like scratched the surface in a way that felt like tokenism to me, and I I didn't quite appreciate. This being said, as a guy who is also I I'm dating a woman, but I'm also attracted to men. I've had sexual experiences with men. I'm yeah. very open about that, but it doesn't come up often, so people often just think of me as. I think people just think of me as being straight unless they know me better. Um, right. I feel like not everybody is strictly a hundred percent one or the other. Sure. You know, every, everything is a bit of a spectrum and whether you lean predominantly one way or the other, like, you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent one way or the other either. And yeah. it, it just feels like, I don't know, they're, they're forcing something that doesn't feel very organic to an artist's character. Yeah, I mean, when we look at, uh, you know, for me, I'm always looking at TV and stories to, like, make a better world. That's just my optimistic self that I can't shake. Um, And I want everyone of all gender identities and sexual preferences to feel free and comfortable with themselves to explore who they are and to find joy for themselves. And I think that that's why representation is so important, you know, like having some sort of meaningful um, like gay representation on this show could have been really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's well, just, Buffy just, did it really well. Yeah, I just, Buffy I did it really well. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. feel like they were trying to be like, Oh look, we could do it here too, but it just mm, fell flat. But yeah, it was just like used in this male gazy way that I don't like, but yeah, Buffy's mm-hmm. the perfect example of where, I mean, countless women who felt alone and felt like they were weird or crazy for having attraction to other women saw mm. themselves in the, in the relationship between Willow and, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Tara. Tara, thank you. The relationship between Willow and Tara was like really transformative for television mm. at the time yeah. and made people... And, and what? Empowering. Empowering, the, the yes. Yeah, and it made people feel... Like they could follow these instincts that they had or these attractions that they had and be mm. more of themselves and be happier, happier, better people. Like that's yeah. so important, you know, it's so important and it's so still like underrepresented in 2020, which is frustrating. And I mean, there's still not just that, but there's the other side of it of like, there's so many people out in the world that, that think so poorly of homosexuality that they want to do harm to those people or to take rights away from those people. And that is like, just like absolutely disgusting and really, really bothers me. I mean, um, and you know, knowing someone, uh, knowing someone or seeing some representation of someone who you love, who is also attracted to someone of the same gender can help to change hearts and minds. And we got to keep fighting that fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I got on a well, soapbox. I am sorry. I, I live on a soapbox. I have a hard time getting off of the soapbox. It's okay. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that scene just didn't do it for either of us, for sure. Well, there it is. That's the scene. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, the I think it's weird to say this, but my favorite scene in this episode is actually when Wash and Mal are being tortured, being electrocuted, and Mal is using Wash's jealousy and anger over this Zoe situation to keep Wash sane and to keep yeah. him awake and to keep him focused on his anger at Mal instead of the torture that he's experiencing. That is some of the most Captain E stuff that he has ever yes totally well, that we ever get to see yeah yeah um, he, just being completely selfless and doing whatever is necessary even if it's manipulating his crew members emotions to keep him safe yeah yeah <laughs> keep it's... Him and keep him just fighting one moment at a time yeah, it's so powerful. It's it's really well written, and it's also fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> they ugh. do a really good job. They're like vibrating against these metal things and like smacking their heads against these metal plates, yeah. and it couldn't have been comfortable. And who knows how many hours they had to shoot that? But right. they did it really well. And I love the the little intercut moments where you see Niska watching this whole yeah. time. He's here. He's trying to torture these dudes. And normally this is all about Niska. Like this is the Niska show while he's doing the torture, but he's fascinated by the interplay between Mal and Wash. And so he's just sitting there just like, just like watching and just like taking it all in as the torture is happening. And they're just like bickering at each other. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's crazy. And it's also like deeply disturbing. Like, yeah. Let's not forget that there's two main characters being tortured and it's really upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting. They have just enough of a humor to like cut the sharp edges off of it. Yeah. But also really moving and yeah. just so well done. Yeah, totally. What did you think of the makeup to cut Mal's ear off? Like after it gets sliced off, <laughs> and oh, okay, that leads to like maybe my favorite line in the whole episode. Again, showing how well this like balances out this intense, disturbing violence with humor is when they bring the ear back to the ship and like we gotta we gotta save the captain. And Jane's like looking at the ear. He's like, "What are we gonna clone him?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but anyway, so they slice the ear off and then they do this crazy makeup job to make it look like his ear's been cut off, but he no longer has an ear hole because they've yeah. obviously like pushed his real ear forward with something yeah Yeah. and then like put in like severed ear behind it i feel like they did the best that they could but it's like where's his ear hole (laughs) i I think yeah i think they did the best they could it would have been better if it was like an open wound that was just like maybe covered with blood blood or scab or like a a flap of flesh hanging down like it wasn't a clean as clean of a cut as they said it was but then that would ruin the later thing where they were able to fix it because it was a clean cut like i don't know i think they did what they could without having to go in and cg a hole in his head yeah when i was younger i had a hard time looking at it so i didn't look super close and it didn't and this time i was like yeah there's no ear hole is there (laughs) yeah no it's just Patched it right over. Yeah. But still, I, I mean, I, they did a phenomenal job. I mean, for a television budget, um, to make something so disturbing, so exhilarating, yeah. and so funny, but Speaking like so scary all at the same time. It's crazy. <laughs> no, it was really well done. I love the moment where Niska hands the ear over to Zoe and she takes it without like being phased at all just like totally deadpan takes it tucks it into her vest 
grabs her husband and walks out. Yeah. Like you can see in her eyes that she's going to come in and like wreck the joint later. (laughs) She's going to get vengeance. But in the moment, it's all about saving who she can save. Yeah. That's her husband. We see she makes a clear choice. She doesn't even let Niska get to the end of his sentence. (laughs) Totally. And and you see like the soldier in her come out. Yeah. 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 It's really great. And the whole shootout at the end when they come back to save Mal is, is great. Like they did such a good Mm -hmm. job. I mean, I don't, I don't tend to like action more than dialogue unless Mm -hmm. it's like a bit smaller in scale and you feel connected to it emotionally and you care about the characters and you can tell where everyone is um like this this sort of action sequence is actually almost exactly what i like and prefer and it's so it's really thrilling and it's scary and i'm invested and i care and i'm not tuned out at all and my heart starts pounding like this is what i want from television yeah there's one thing about the fight scene that i cannot stand oh what and it's at one, somewhere in the middle, when Zoe goes around a corner and she does a somersault to oh yeah, and it's so slow. <laughs> she gets up from the somersault. <laughs> pull, she draws two guns out of her yes. belt and then goes in like a cowboy. Yeah, and I'm like, you would have been shot like twelve times if you did that in a real gunfight. Yeah, it's even <laughs> slower. Do a somersault and then do this showy brandishing of your guns. Like, oh. Yeah, if you do a somersault, you got to come up with guns out. You can't stand up and then pull guns out. Yeah, well, and I feel like that's what they're trying to do. And it was clearly a practical thing because that was Gina Torres doing that somersault when she gets up. Yeah. And just like, I was a little too clunky. I feel like they should have just cut it. Like they were trying to be super action shot and like look at her go she's badass and it was like that just looked awkward (laughs) it was it was a little rough you're so right that really stuck out to me i'm like this is even slower than obi-wan kenobi spinning around when he's fighting darth vader in episode four like you got killed three times while you were doing that maneuver you would get stabbed in the back if you did that in real life don't do that (laughs) that's interesting because that's so important in a good action sequence is to uh, it's to not make it look like the characters survived because it was choreographed for them to survive. Right, right. And I don't know. I, everything else I liked about that, the, like the choices that the characters made about whether to cower or to move forward or to, you know, take out everybody or shoot them in the kneecap or, yeah. you know, everything else felt spot on. But that one somersault just kills me. <laughs> yeah, totally. I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, when they finally rescue Mal and he's fighting that guy and no. Zoe's like, no, wait, wash, wait, he's got it. This is something he has to do for himself. And I was like, no, it's not. And like, okay. And then they shoot him. Another like amazing comedy gold moment. Yeah. That's yeah. That's on par with like, um, shindig when he says something is the mark of a, of a great man. And then he stabs <laughs> at him and he goes, oh, I guess I'm all right. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm a good man. He stabs me. He's like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, man, this is the this is it's so this show's so funny. Humor that is like it's gold. <laughs> I I want people to to appreciate Firefly's humor as much as possible because I sure as fuck do. <laughs> Oh, the best. And then they blew their entire budget for the whole episode on that shot where the guy falls down the shaft and gets sawed in half. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know from Star Wars that he survived and got robot legs, right? 
Right, obviously. Yeah. Like, like Dobson did, got shot in the face and comes back yeah. later with just a fake eyeball. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in a science fiction story, if you fall down a shaft in the middle of a space station, 90% chance that you're going to be fine. We've learned that over right. and over again. And right. Although this it. is one scenario yeah. where I feel like that guy's dead. Like, they yeah. did a really good job of illustrating that he's dead. Yeah, if someone falls and you don't see their skull splat on the ground, that's a Disney death, they'll be back. <laughs> totally, yeah. <laughs> okay, so what do we rate this episode? I really like this episode. Um, I I think it's really well done. I'm going to go with nine Vera's. Yeah. Nice, yeah. nine Vera's. Yeah. Uh, what What holds this back from being a perfect score for you? Some of the clunkier moments, like the the cold open, where they're just spoon feeding you the plot for the rest of the show, and it's like okay, and then a couple of choreographed scenes, like the um, the somersault, really kind of took me out of it, or or the scene with the counselor that felt just a little gratuitous. It's like ninety five percent of the episode. It's beautiful and yeah perfect. and i wouldn't change a thing about it but there yeah. are just a couple of moments that stick out as like did someone else write this and insist that <laughs> it the episode it doesn't feel like it jibes with the rest of the writing or the the rest of the tone totally. um, of the episode so a, a little disjointed but. yeah i totally agree i think we've picked all of those out pretty well over the last you know 45 minutes but for me i feel like that brings it down to about an eight I those things like the whole Inara storyline um, because the rest of this episode is perfect those moments that aren't quite perfect really stick out um, more so mm. than in other close to perfect episodes of this yeah. show I think but I think 9 obviously 9 like is totally fair add on but I just ignore <laughs> yeah totally totally yeah and I'm still very high on this episode I, yeah. I love this episode and it's not just that this episode is great but I feel like if you look at the arc of this season as a whole, this episode is a turning point. It is crucial. Um, like so much plot movement happens mm. here where not just do you get a hint of what's happening with River, not just do you like run into a a villain for the second time where we see Niska again, which is yeah. great. I mean, that, sh- that tells this you that this show first. has like some serialization going yeah. on. But also like this, this episode shows yeah. you how far into the dark that this show is willing to go and ups the stakes for everything that oh, comes after you, it. Sorry, sorry yeah. what's that? I, I think it was the first repeat guest, but that's not true. Uh, Mark Shepard as Badger. We saw Badger twice already. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and we're about to see Saffron again yeah. in the next episode. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I do love that they kind of have, they come in and out of characters. I also feel like the beginning, like the setup, um, they were like around the other side of this moon or planet from Niska's space station, mm-hmm. you know, and Niska picked them up. Yeah. How did they not know that they were right next to Niska's space station? And like, did they not know that? I know. You think that, that, I feel like that's terrible. So Niska's Skyplex must be... Mobile, maybe. I don't know, like dark or something? Like maybe, oh, that does remind me, there is one other thing that bothers me about this episode, so maybe I do need to downgrade it to like an 8 or an 8.5, because I still love it. Yeah. But 
One other little piece of phlebotinum that bothers me is when they do the thing where Wash is setting up the ship. They're going into rescue Mal, and in order to do it, they try to like fly silent, you know. And so they turn off the engine to Serenity. Yeah. But he did it like six thousand miles away. Yeah. So that he has the trajectory to hit the airlock perfectly. Yeah. But the ship is dead. It's just floating with the momentum that it had from, you know, 6,000 miles ago. Yeah. And it's just... Do they not have any sort of radar? Or, like... (laughs) They're in a space station. Yeah. There are meteors. There's space junk. There's, There's things in space that you need to detect... Right. So that you can either Especially coming at you directly at a high velocity. Yeah. Right? Like there's no way that they would not see a spaceship sized piece of debris, even if it doesn't have an engine signature. That's interesting. No way they would say something about like we've scrambled our signature or something so that they wouldn't see it or something like that. I I bought that. I actually kinda liked that moment because I'm like, wow, he's such a badass pilot. That he can throw this dart from 6,000 miles away. Yeah, it's supposed to show that your watch is so good that yeah. he's like the best of the best. But and, you're right that like if they and, can see and meteors. Yeah, and so I usually give a little bit of that. Yeah, if they can see meteors yeah. and shit, like why can't they know. see it? I do like thinking that they could have seen it if they had just looked out the window. And like when he looks at his screen and the, right, it's too it was, late, it's already there. It, <laughs> If the the guy who was on duty in the space dock or whatever that day wasn't like staring at a magazine instead of right, looking right, at his right. control panel, then right. maybe they would have noticed it. But, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, but overall, like such a great episode. And for me, this kind of ups the stakes on the whole story and makes me invest more in the story because I, I don't like when shows don't have any teeth, when, when the show is not going to go far enough to really pull you in. Uh, and is not there's not going to be real stakes right. like all the characters are going to live through everything like that bothers me um but i don't like when a show has too many teeth because then it's like i can't connect to this story because it just feels unrealistic at this point like outlander as we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast like outlander kind of crossed that line for me and game of thrones crossed that line so many times that i just stopped caring um and i even feel like the serenity movie crosses that line for me personally uh, I don't like to feel emotionally manipulated by by violence, um, but if violence is mm-hmm. like integral to the story and part of the character development and part of the thematic development and is used effectively, I think it can be so powerful. And it's just not used that way very often. And yeah. this might be my absolute favorite and example. Yeah. Like, this is a very yeah. brutal episode. Absolutely. And, you know, Andy and I live together. She hasn't watched Firefly. And... I was gonna I'm like Andy can I use the TV this morning to watch this episode because she's watching Gilmore Girls and I'm like when you're done with that Gilmore Girls can I have the TV Uh, and then she started watching the beginning of the episode and she's like oh I know that actor I know that actor because she recognized Alan Tudyk I'm like oh this is like one of my favorite shows ever but I don't recommend that you watch this one because this is you know it's gonna get real intense in a few minutes wait has she not watched most of Firefly before no she's like never seen Firefly yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Well, hey, hold no, on. No, 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 that. I she just finished watching the entirety <laughs> of Next Generation, so she is really going above and beyond. Like when I started dating Andy, which is close to we're coming up on like three and a half years. 
she'd never really seen any sci-fi and I mean, she's come on the podcast a ton as she's kind of been introduced to it and then like got into Next Generation on her own and watched the whole show and is now like kind of a space nerd in her own right, you know? Um, I'm very proud of her. I'm very proud of her. She's really come around. And like, you know, although I watched all of of Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce with her, so I've done my part as well. It's a mutual enrichment. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, um, something you said earlier, and I was trying to um, look up the the air dates of the episodes because I always forget the what order they actually aired in. One of the beautiful things about this episode is the fact that it calls back to the previous episode with what happened with the plot. The reason they have so much money that give to Niska and the reason why they had these apples that they were enjoying when right. fresh produce is a rare luxury uh, for them is the giant heist that they pulled off in the previous episode and these episodes uh, Ariel and then War Stories did actually air chronologically Oh, so I feel like there was probably some behind the scenes battle about that because some of the other episodes were aired completely out of order, and it was kind of fine because they were made in episodic little chunks, and it didn't quite matter if some of them were out of order. Yeah. Um, but these ones, it was crucial that Ariel came before War Stories to set up the yeah. whole. Up. I thought that story was going to end with, and they aired it out of order, but it wasn't. That's great. <laughs> no, no, those ones had to be in the right order, and I'm just confirming. So Ariel was November 15th, uh, 2002, and then War Stories was December 6th. So there was a little break there around Thanksgiving, um, but they did actually air them in the proper order. That's cool. And yeah, this is one of my favorite examples. There's several on this show of how um, like we don't reset at the end of each episode like Star Trek Next Generation does. Like Whatever happens mm-hmm. in the episode prior does affect the next episode. Like when they pick up the cows in Shindig and then we see them again in the very yeah. next episode as they're being dropped off. Like I they- love that. I love that. that you see yeah. the... Uh, the job that they're pulling and then like the setup for the next job that they're going to pull. Like it, Star Trek never does this, but if they did, I would fucking love it. If they're like, well, where are we heading to next captain? It's like, Oh, we're going to go pick up these people on blah, blah, blow or whatever the planet is called. <laughs> and then that's what the next episode is. That would be so cool, but that never yeah. happens. Right. Right. And it's, it's nice when you do see the continuity of, of the whole story like that in yeah, any show, totally. it really makes it, um, it carries more weight, I think. I agree. I agree. It, that last. it helps with suspension of disbelief. It helps to pull you into the world. And for me, the more, the more pulled in, the more I believe everything that's happening, yeah. um, the more it's I more invest, the more I love the story. And that's what I'm mm. all about. I just want to like invest in stories. I love it. You know, it's the best. <laughs> that and, you know, so, um, reality TV. I will think I will. I'll revise my Vera down to 8.5 just because there are a couple of distracting things, but I still love this yeah. episode. Overall, it's, it's great character development, and I just, I love it so. Well, I'm going to bring mine up to an 8.5 because when we're talking, the more okay. we talk about it, it's just like, it's just <laughs> so good. And like, I am bothered by some mm-hmm. things like that Inara scene is, the Inara plot line is my least favorite thing about this episode, but, but I do feel like the good things in this episode do kind of, um, change the scales a little bit because they're so good and i do take that into account for sure so there you have it 8.5 years so we got trash coming up next, all right uh, for, our, for our firefly next month 
another great episode that I'm so pumped to talk about. But we are in the back stretch. We got like four episodes left of Firefly and then the movie. No. We're on on disc three of my Blu-ray set. It's it's final. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. Um, So because we couldn't watch together today, I watched it on Hulu. And I saw an intro to Firefly that I'd never Mm. seen. Like we talked about the one where, you know, Shepard Book is kind of narrating. This one had one where Malcolm Reynolds was Uh narrating and he's like telling what the premise of the show is. I liked it. I was like, this is kind of (laughs) cool. I am sad that they cut those out of all of the DVD versions. Yeah. Uh, You only get that if you're watching it on like Hulu or sci-fi when they do a, like a marathon. That's the only way that you get those little intros. Yeah. Um, like the earth it was and, yeah. you know, explaining how they are struggling to survive out in space. <laughs> yeah. Know? And there was a previously uh, on, which like is never on the DVDs either. Right. 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 No, yeah. you only get that if you're watching it on a, a streaming service or actual television. Yeah. Like I had this on DVD and back in college and then we've been watching it on Blu-ray at your place. So this was like such a surprise to me because mm-hmm. I have, I've never, I mean, I only watched one episode before on Hulu, I think. Um, we watched one at one point on Hulu. Oh. You should skim through the beginnings of the other episodes then, just like oh, watch yeah. the first 30 seconds. Cause That's a great well, idea. M- most of them have them. Yeah, because it's so interesting to see. Well. Like uh, Previously ons are interesting because you get a sense of what the show thinks happened. You know what I mean? Instead of like what you think happened, like, this is what right. the creators it's of the like show are telling you their happened. Point of view. Yeah, and they can be, they can be illuminating yeah. sometimes or boring but you know whatever and i have a bad memory so i like that kind of stuff um niska is an incredible villain i'm so glad that we got him for two episodes of firefly i don't know why they didn't kill him in this episode like i don't even know what happened like that's kind of a weird hole so that we can see him again later obviously yeah they obviously wanted to put him in a little back pocket and bring him out again yeah like niska just scuttled away and we didn't see him leave, but they didn't kill him. So obviously he escaped and yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Well, they, they said a little throwaway line at the end. Like, um, uh, Inara says to Mal, I can't, I'm still upset that you didn't kill that little weasel or whatever. And he says, right. yeah, I'm something on having, account of that. My own self having some regret but, about that or something too. Yeah. 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 But so if Niska was upset with them for, bailing on a job and like giving back all the money and the only thing that he lost was that job and one of his crew members how upset do you think he's going to be with them after they shoot up his skyplex and they kill dozens of his goons and, and his main torture guy like yeah. <laughs> his main inquisition is gone now and he's obviously going to have a huge bone to pick with them later on. Totally. And it's obvious they were like saving this for a future season to bring him back. And we just never, never got there, which is such a shame, but, but man, what a villain, what a villain. (laughs) And the tiny little glasses, like the the details in Niska's office, like the, the things that he wears and the little Tiffany lamp on his desk, which I noticed, like I, I always miss it because it's, it's really quick, but you see, when Zoe walks in to, to get Mal and Wash, you see her walk through the office where they took the job from him in the train job and where we see his desk and the lamp and like the, the little setup of that room. And then they open up the door where the, his cousin was, yeah. 
was hanging upside down right, right. in the episode, and you open the door, and like, that's where Mal and, and Wash are being tortured. It's like, it's nice that they tried to do the continuity oh, there. I didn't even pick that up. That's interesting. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think there's a hidden um, Han Solo <laughs> in there again, too. I gotta, I gotta confirm that, but Let's cool. we'll go back and check. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm curious what our listeners think about these episodes as we're going. So, as always, if anyone wants to share anything about Firefly or anything else we're talking about on this podcast, you can email us, spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. And if you email us about Firefly, I'm going to wait to read that email until I talk to Jane so that we can (laughs) talk about it together. (laughs) We can both talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We have like four or five podcasts within this podcast now. We've got like Firefly, Black Mirror, Star Wars Club, Star Trek Club. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, Doug Space Nine. Yeah. We, we've touched on a little bit of everything. Today Metamercury, because... as Doug likes to call it when I start talking about how the show is made. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, if you're listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Uh, Jane, you great too. to talk to you. Good to see your face, even if we can't be in the same room. I know. We'll do it again soon because we can. We've got time. Absolutely. It's been a lot easier to schedule <laughs> podcast recordings than ever before. all right thank you all for listening until next time stay nerdy out there i love that you just waved (laughs) (laughs) space nerds is listener funded through patreon to support the show and gain access to bonus content sign up at patreon.com slash space nerds podcast If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!